Welcome everyone to Ponytails, the College of Health Sciences podcast where we speak with students, graduates, and people in the that are resources um, and colleagues in the Treasure Valley in the field of health sciences. And today, I, I should introduce myself. My name is Olga Salinas. I'm a senior academic advisor here in the Student Services and Academic Advising Office. And today we are actually going to speak to one of our graduates, uh, the amazing, the unique, the super-powered superwoman, Tracy Huddleston. And those are not like extreme um, descriptions of Tracy. This is exactly who she is and has always been <laughs> since she was here as an undergraduate student with her adorable band gear and her heavy oh academic load. <laughs> <laughs> she participated in many things um, to grow professionally and personally. But Tracy is now serving as a physician assistant in the Treasure Valley in urgent care. And we are just, just thrilled to have her today. And we're gonna be speaking about her undergraduate experience as well as her now her professional experience. Welcome, Tracy. Thanks Hi. for having me. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I am just so happy to see you. We were, Tracy is just a joy personally. So um, if you ever get a chance to meet Tracy, you're really gonna like her. So Tracy, let's go back. We're just gonna start with your undergraduate level experience. Just, could you tell me how you prepared academically and personally for that next step, which you knew was going to be graduate school? Maybe I should ask that question first. Did you know you were going to go to graduate school? Was that kind of your ambition when you started? Well, so when I first started at Boise, State, you know, when you're a freshman and sophomore, you have no idea what you want to do anyway. It's kind of one of those stepping stones, I feel like. Um, but it wasn't until my junior year where I started shadowing a physical therapist because, as a kinesiology student at that time, I was thinking, you know, maybe PT is the way that I want to go. But after I shadowed, I realized very quickly that it was not what I wanted. And so at that point, I knew I wanted to be in healthcare, which I knew required higher education more than college. So um, I was looking into medical school and then I had a mutual friend at that time who introduced me to PA. So I knew by my junior year that I wanted to do PA and that I knew that it would require a graduate degree. So that's when I really started preparing for, you know, the next step at that point. Okay, that was a wonderful explanation and trajectory because I think that happens to a lot. You know, you students, they start off with one kind of vision and then some exposure or some experience, which leads to the need for exposure and experience, um, kind of shifts yeah, exactly. the direction that makes it a better fit. So that was a great explanation of your experience. So you went through the undergraduate program, um, kinesiology, allied health, mm -hmm. which was great preparation for how you wanted to move forward. But even graduate schools then are extremely competitive. And what things oh, do you think you did that helped you stand out as a strong candidate? Because typically, for example, ISU will see close to 800 applications for their spots in PA. Mm -hmm. Well, let me just pick another one. Oh, University of Utah, 1,600 applications. University of Colorado, 1,600 applications. Yeah. It's not unusual. What did you do? Mm -hmm. So the main thing that I did was I really committed myself, not only to my academics, of course, those are important, but mm -hmm. how I see it is the main thing that you should focus on that helps you build character and really find who you are, not only as a provider, but as someone, as a human in general, 
Um, I did a lot of volunteer work that really exposed me and helped mold me into the person I wanted to be and the person I wanted to carry myself into, you know, grad school and what I expected I wanted to be essentially. But um, I really focused on my community service and my volunteering. So when I was preparing for PA school, I did, oh, I don't even know, maybe like 500 hours of volunteer on top of working and then on top of shadowing. And so the main thing is getting back to your community because, you know, academics can only get you so far. But when you have those actual human interactions, that's where you learn that, yeah, you know, maybe I am the right person to be in the a fear of excuse me, a field of medicine versus, you know, maybe that's not for me and maybe that's where you should start going a different path. So I would say definitely doing those extracurriculars and the volunteer work, I feel like that really made me stand out because it showed that I was really dedicated to helping my community versus just getting the A's and the B's and the occasional C just to get the application done and over with. You touched on a couple of points there that I think are important to recap because as very often we'll get that, how many hours do I need to do? And it's not a matter of just how many hours you need to do. It is what have you grown? What have you grown? How have you grown from this experience? You know, mm-hmm. it's the, the consistency, it's the depth of it. It's how you changed as a human being as a result of those yeah. experiences, right? And I'm, the other piece is the whole concept of having to be a straight A student in everything that you do. And that's not necessarily the case either. There are some times yeah, I think- yeah, when, Definitely not. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, well, it's like sometimes getting that B took everything you had in you or getting that C took everything you had and that doesn't kill the dream. Because oh no, you, yeah, absolutely. No, you, you balance those grades out with the other grades as well as with all of the experiences and the growth. So you took mm-hmm. those things and they said, Tracy, we want to interview you. You look like a candidate yeah, on paper. <laughs> <laughs> when you got that those letters, you're like, ah, they want me. <laughs> well, I do want to shed some light on this. You know, yeah. uh, I did work very hard in college. You know, there's no doubt about that. I was in marching mm-hmm. band. I did, mm-hmm. you know, I did uh, peer advising with Tina. I did Bronco ambassador where I was doing the tours. I was working at the hospital, volunteering, shadowing all within, you know, two years on top of the internship, you know, I was doing a lot while still trying to maintain a high GPA. And uh, my GPA, when I graduated, was a 3.67 or 3.7. I'm not quite sure what Mm -hmm. it was, but um, I applied to 10 different schools and I got accepted into one. And that Mm -hmm. one school was the only school that offered me an interview. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, Um, it's not a fact of, you know, how hard you work, you know, of course, everyone's going to work hard, but it's more of the fact of accepting failure when it comes to you and not Mm -hmm. faltering when that happens. Cause you know, I worked as hard as I did and I felt like I was a strong candidate, but sometimes that's not what other people see. So definitely Mm -hmm. keeping your head up high and not being so negative on yourself when Mm -hmm. things don't go the way you want to is definitely a good trait to have, especially when students are preparing for you know this next big step in life you know that's such a great point because you're right and it's not unusual to have students have to apply in a second application cycle getting accepted Mm -hmm. to one institution is bravo that is cause for major celebration because many many students will not get accepted to any in the first application Mm -hmm. cycle and they need to become that stronger candidate take a gap year come back and do it again and then their, their chances are much better so 
congrats, you did get that school and they did invite you to that interview. What was an interview experience like? Yeah, so, um, excuse me, um, my interview experience, you know, it's very limited because I only had one interview, mm -hmm. so I can't speak upon multiple different interviews, but um, where I went to PA school was Western University of Health Sciences. Mm -hmm. It's a little private school in uh, Southern California. And mm -hmm. how they set up their interview process was kind of like speed dating, as as, as I would describe yeah. it. So there, there were there do they do a interview process called multiple mini interviews. So essentially, what that is, is we went into the school office space where the professors are, and there were six doors, and so. We had six different doors we needed to go into and in each room there was a different question and we had five minutes to answer the question yeah. and um when you they told they knocked on the door when you had a minute left and then they would just yank you out if you weren't done talking or if you weren't done explaining your answer regardless because they had to move on to the next room so mm -hmm. my interview process was very quick which was nice but it was very quick and to the point and one thing that was interesting about it was that the professors who were interviewing us never looked at our application at all. So they had a completely unbiased opinion when we went into the process, mm -hmm. which was interesting, but it was also, you know, you had to re-explain everything you did to get to that point very quickly and efficiently while still answering the question. So right. it's kind of just, you know, selling yourself and talking about how great you are, which is nice, but it's, mm -hmm. it was actually really difficult, surprisingly. Right. Those mini mock medical interviews are brutal. And I have been in some of the practice sessions that we offer here for mini mock medical interviews for students. And even I'm floored when I look at the type of questions and how quickly students mm -hmm. have to come up with a logical, compassionate, intellectual, meaningful, personal response. So, and you had to do that six times. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I know. You'd be surprised. It's you know, once you get past the first room, all the jitters are gone. And then after that, you're like, oh my God, did I answer that question long enough? Did I walked mm -hmm. out a minute early. I'm the only one out here in the hallway. What's going on? But, right. you know, as long as you have confidence in yourself and how you did, you know, you'll be fine. <laughs> and the feedback that the interviewer can give you is very limited, if any. You know, it's not like they can. They didn't even talk back to us. They asked mm -hmm. us the question. And when they were done, they're like, is that it? And you're like, oh, I guess that's it. And they're like, okay, bye. So they didn't even give us feedback. They just kept a, a straight face. And, you know, it was cool being on the flip side where I actually held the interview at one point for applicants when I was doing PA school at that time. And I just remember being in their shoes and it's definitely an intimidating experience, not only for them, but for me as someone who's just asking the question, because I know how it is. So it was very fun. It was interesting. <laughs> when it was all over, did you just, were you just exhausted? You just wanted to just collapse after that? I was. <laughs> yeah. You just want to take a nap after. Yeah, you want to take a nap. Some, some so you make it drinks. in <laughs> in the first, the first years, the didactic year, there's study, 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 right? A ton yeah. of memorization and so forth. But that second year is kind of um, a surprise to a lot of applicants, you know, or potential applicants when they speak mm -hmm. to these prospective students, they don't recognize, they don't realize that that second year is a travel year. You are rotating through clinicals. Mm -hmm. um, what was the second year of travel like for you? How did you manage each of those shifts? Yeah, so great question. So I will say that I liked my second year a lot better than my first because ah. you actually got to go out of the classroom and 
apply what you've learned and you're not, you know, sitting in the classroom studying all day as much as you did first year. So that's kind of nice. But um, I will say the traveling, uh, you kind of have no choice in where you go. <laughs> the school says, hey, you're going here and you better like it essentially. And at that point, you know, you know that you have to do what you have to do. So you just kind of have to tighten your bootstraps and just do it. But um, I will say when I was traveling or driving everywhere in the Southern California area, um, everything was pretty local. It was within an hour, you know, from where I lived mm -hmm. at least. And depending on where my locations were, I had to keep in mind, you know, traffic as we, as I'm sure a lot of students know, <laughs> California traffic is not fun. And you have to you know, be mindful of that and mindful of your ride home. So what I did was I would search where my clinic was that I was supposed to be for that month because at Western you did four week rotations. Mm -hmm. um, and I would look up where it was, how far it was. And then at that time I was still doing a really good job working out uh, mm -hmm. during all of that. So if I had to be there at 8 a.m., but I knew traffic was really bad, I would get up at, you know, 4, 4.30, go to the gym, shower, get ready at the gym and go to work and then just come back home sitting in traffic. So mm -hmm. you have to be mindful of those things. And that's just something that made it easier for me is just getting up early, going to the gym, getting ready and going to work mm -hmm. or for my rotation, I guess. But um, yeah, I feel like everyone has a different perspective on that, but I didn't think it was that terrible. I thought it was a lot better than first year, honestly. <laughs> well, that was really good because being at Western that they kept your rotations within that hour for some schools, you actually have mm -hmm. to shift out into entirely different regions. Yeah kind of, and yeah. then you have to find accommodations and do all of those kinds of things. So that yeah, was well, outstanding. Well, there were some students who, yeah, well, yeah, there were some students who actually did rent out an Airbnb for that month and they had to find mm -hmm. an Airbnb for a month and share it with another student or mm -hmm. they just got a hotel for that month. It was, mm -hmm. it was very interesting seeing what other students had to do. For example, there were some kids who lived in San Diego, but mm -hmm. they had a rotation that was almost on the way to Vegas. So they had to get up and go and drive all the way up there and stay out there for the month. And that is definitely something you have to account for when you're in school, especially with additional financial costs, gas, gas, your study habits, everything like that. Cause you have to bring essentially your whole study, you know, mm -hmm. uh, environment that you have settled at home and just pick it up and take it somewhere for a month and really have to accommodate. So to my colleagues and my, um, classmates at that time I really commend them because I had I feel like I had it pretty easy at that point <laughs> mm -hmm. well it all worked out I'm glad to hear it I'm glad to hear it but I, I love hearing that very personal experience and perspective and I think it helps students who are considering this option that that's a reality for you you were within an mm -hmm. hour for other students they were much further away yeah some students go to different states absolutely yeah yeah absolutely so let's shift now you get through all of that Congratulations, you've graduated. I loved your picture when um, you posted <laughs> your picture of your graduation and yes. your employment. So let's shift to being in the profession now. Your job search then, what was that like? Was that really difficult? Was the demand really high? Did you? Yeah, so um, when I got released from school was um, last year. So August, 2020 was when I graduated. So I've been out of school for officially a year, which is great. Yeah. But I will say the job search was not as easy as everyone says it is, you know, it was weird because it was COVID and, you know, there were the cuts that the financial cuts that a lot of the health systems had, not only in Southern California, but in Idaho and I'm sure across mm -hmm. the United States. So finding a job was 
very difficult. It took some of my classmates, you know, up until now to find a job while for me, it took six months or no, it took a a couple of months, like four to five months. Mm -hmm. Some of my classmates got a job right out of school from their rotation. So I will say everyone had a different experience, but it was difficult. You had to make yourself stand out on a resume and a CV as a new grad, when you know that there are other applicants who've had years of experience. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard. It's, it's very, very difficult. And it's not as easy as I feel like a lot of people say it is, right. but the demand was not there when I got out of school. But I will say now for the recent graduates and the upcoming graduates, it's going to be mm-hmm. a lot different because now everywhere's hiring because they cut everyone back then and had to furlough people. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it will be very different in the future. Yeah. And I think probably, um, you know, you have a cycling out, you know, the, the fatigue or the shifting into different employment and that sort of thing. So openings coming up as well. This was, this has been a dramatic two years. It's taken its toll on healthcare Mm -hmm. professionals. Uh, So yeah, I, I agree. I would agree. I think that there's probably going to be an increase in the demand, but even so, it's not unusual. A two-month, three-month, four-month job search would not be an unusual thing, especially if you're really kind of trying to be yeah. selective about your experiences and where you'd like yeah. to be regionally and that sort of thing. That's important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So your expectation of what your day was going to be like when you started working, and then I can imagine the reality of what your day is like now that you started working, especially in the midst of what we're in right now. Where, yeah, where's the yeah. what's the disparity where's the difference between what you thought it was going to be like and really the demands for you on a daily basis yeah so being in urgent care you know it is kind of scary I will say as a new grad because you don't know what's going to walk in through those doors and you know when you're a new grad you definitely have the jitters you're scared when you see you know a patient you're like oh my god they could be dying but then you know you get the reassurance from your co-workers where they're like no they're fine just <laughs> do what you do what you've been trained to do so I will say the first day was very stressful in a different way than it is now because you were learning as you went although I've learned everything I could from PA school uh, clinical medicine is very different from what you learn in the classroom um, so it was definitely getting myself comfortable with who I was as a provider as well as getting myself comfortable with seeing patients very quickly in an urgent care setting, as well as feeling confident in what they have and making sure you don't send them home when they should be going to the ER or getting additional Mm -hmm. treatment or workup or stuff like that. So the first day on the job, it was very, you know, enlightening and it was a very knowledgeable experience and stressful. Mm -hmm. So it was great at that time because you're learning a lot. And now I will say, I just got off the shift actually about an hour ago. Um, I will say now it's stressful in a different way where it's just, there's so many patients coming in and sometimes when you see a lot of patients at once, for example, you know, up to 40, 50 a day, you worry that you may have missed something or the brain fatigue is there where, you know, Mm -hmm. you get halfway through the day and you have six hours left on your shift and you're like, okay, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. what if something complicated comes in and I send it home or what if something comes in and I miss something or what if I overwork something that's nothing you know so it's stressful in the fact that you're trying not to be fatigued as a provider while still providing the best care you can but sometimes that's pretty hard when the demand is so high mm-hmm. so um, it's stressful in, in different ways but you know I will say and I will admit that day one I was happy to be at work and day 
however long I've been working, I'm still very happy to get up and go to work, even though it is a little bit more stressful and mm-hmm. I come home more tired than more tired than usual, but I would not have changed anything. Um, mm-hmm. I have no regrets for what I've done so far. I think that that's fantastic. And that, that is the reality, right, of work, because as we, whatever profession you're in, the more you learn, the more you realize there's still more to learn. It's, I have a friend who's a mm-hmm. physician and he calls it, that's why they call it a practice. You do things a few thousand times and you get a sense of this is likely what this is, the situation is, but you, yeah. something else could pop up in something that you may have seen 2000 times and it, oh my gosh, that's a new symptom. That's a new, I, I need to investigate yep. that. So it's a never ending learning. I would expect for you, Tracy, it's yeah. kind of like, and you don't take that for granted. I will say every day I'm looking up something new. So yep. <laughs> that's good. I still look things up. So use your that's resources. A, yeah, that's for that's, sure. That's fantastic. Well, what would you say then would be the best thing? What is the hardest thing? Um, I would say the best about my, about my job, um, your field, I would say the best, oh, the field in general. So I would say the best thing is, this is going to sound super corny, but it's really just helping people. I, I really love when I get to speak to a patient and they come in with a list of questions. And once we're done with our visit, they're like, you know, you've answered every single question I've come in with. You are very thorough. Thank you so much. You know, I appreciate everything you do. And, you know, just hearing those, you know, words of affirmation from a patient, just thanking you for your services and what you've done, even in these difficult times, it really is very meaningful to me as well as a lot of my colleagues, because sometimes it can feel that we're just not really appreciated. So I would say that's the best thing when we get those you know, positive feedback from our patients. And when we look up patients and they're doing well, or when you call them back and they're doing well. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the best job. The worst thing is, you know, when you know that someone is in trouble <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know that they're sick and you have to send them out because you can't help them. But I would say that's one of the harder things where just seeing people in different states and you kind of have to help them the best you can. So I guess in a clinic setting, that's the best and the worst thing. But um you know, I can't think of any other worse things than that. I think the PA profession is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't want to cut you off. If there was something specifically you wanted to say about the work that you do, by all means, the best and the worst, by all mm-hmm. means, answer that. It, was that something that you wanted to address? You were thinking about the best and the worst? Oh, specifically what you I do? feel like I answered the question very well okay. with not only like my work but also you know my opinion of the PA profession yeah. you know I just love seeing patients I think that's the best mm-hmm. thing is honestly genuinely helping people mm-hmm. when they have no clue what's going on with their body and they're scared and you can just reassure mm-hmm. them and say hey you know you're totally fine or you know maybe there is something going on you're like hey you know I know you're scared but I'm here to help you mm-hmm. and we're going to get through this together the best we can and um, I would say that's the best thing about being a PA in general, just Excellent. being there for people who have a lot of questions and who are generally worried. So, yeah. 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 Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Looking back, I think you answered this a little earlier, but I just want to just to recap for just a moment. Looking back already now from your, you were a freshman when you started college to where you are at this moment. 18 year old Tracy. Oh, gosh. She was great. She was wonderful. A long time ago. (laughs) Oh, please. (laughs) I'm 25 now. 
<laughs> Is there anything you would tell 18-year-old Tracy to do differently? You kind of addressed that you wouldn't change your field, your profession, but was there anything else that you'd say, hey, coming up, there, this is what I'd suggest? Um, so I, I, don't, I feel like I've been very lucky, honestly. I feel like my whole college career and my graduate experience, even into now, I feel like everything has gone the way I hoped it would. So honestly, there's really nothing I would change aside from probably not taking OCHEM in the summer. That was kind of horrible. But um, maybe the only thing I would change is getting involved with PA and kind of knowing what I wanted to do sooner was just because I felt like, you know, additional hours is always great. Mm -hmm. um, that's the only thing I can say that I wish I did better that I wish that, you know, younger me knew is to just mm -hmm. get into it sooner, just so you can get a little bit more hours, but you know, I still got in and I'm still PA. So mm -hmm. I guess I have no complaints about that either, but yeah. you know, the sooner you get into the field that you decide that you want to be in, the sooner you can apply yourself to starting on your application, I feel like is always a great advice. I love it. And I do love the OCHEM over summer. Not such a good idea. <laughs> horrible <laughs> don't do it <laughs> yeah we tell students that too it's like you know really think about it if you're going to do this over summer because you will have no life this is it this is all you yeah. do well that's awesome what about recommend <laughs> that is awesome tracy you have been wonderful is there anything else you would like to say that i have not covered i want to make sure i give you that opportunity to do that you have been as always gracious and informative <laughs> Um, you know, I don't, I think I've said everything that I feel like I could say, and I feel like if any other students who are listening to this and they have questions, um, feel free to reach out to Olga. She can, I would, I'd be more than happy to share my contact information with her that she can give you and give you guys any sort of advice or anything like that. So just reach out to Olga if you're hearing this and get my contact info and we'll have a good chat. Thank you so much, Tracy. That is awesome. I do want to encourage um, listeners here that if you are attending Boise State University and you are in like any major, actually, you're looking at graduate schools in clinical fields that we run cohort programs out of our office. And please let me know and I'm happy to connect you. That's where we do a lot of things like the mini medical practice um, sessions and we do application sessions and workshops on personal statements and all of those things mm -hmm. that really help you to stand out as a candidate. Tracy, you have been, again, amazing, gracious, informative, and the patients are lucky to have you. They truly are. It's wonderful to be with a provider that really just still has a passion for the field that they're in, in spite of the difficult circumstances that we're all in right now. You're fantastic. I hope you will be back again. Thank you, everybody who is listening to this podcast. Hope you'll continue to listen. Bronco Tales from the College of Health Sciences at Boise State University. Wishing you all good health. Bye.